Welcome to the Music Education Advocate Podcast, where we share stories and strategies to help support music education advocacy. I'm your host, Jasmine Aset. And on today's episode, we're talking about using your teacher voice. We have a very, very special guest today, Michael Cabito, who's the band director and AP music theory educator at Woodland High School in Cartersville, Georgia. Michael is also the 2023 Georgia State Music Teacher of the Year. How's it going, Michael? I'm doing really well. It's so great to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to have such a rock star on the podcast today. Um, I've heard a lot of great things about you, but for our audience, can you tell them a little bit about yourself and what you do? Yeah, so um, my name is Michael Cabito, like you just heard. Um, I'm thrilled and honored to be the band director and music theory teacher. I'm really just a music educator at my alma mater where I went to school at Woodland High School. So I'm really blessed to be there. I've been teaching for eight years and um, I'm fortunate to hold the title of the 2023 Georgia Teacher of the Year this year. So it's been exciting. That's so cool. I love that you're teaching at your alma mater. That's beautiful. Um, So let's get into that. What it's been like to be the teacher of the year for the state of Georgia. Yeah, being teacher of the year for the state of Georgia has been uh, a whirlwind, to be completely honest. When I was a high school student, I remember walking down the hallways and they used to have portraits of all the teachers of the year from our school on the wall. And I remember having the dream of, oh, there's Mr. Willoughby, there's Miss Queen, there's Miss Kendall. I want to be, I want my face in that wall someday because I want to teach here and I want to make a difference like they did for me. So when I got the title for my school, it was, um, that was enough. I was super thankful, super proud and honored to, you know, do them justice. But, you know, as we went through the process and I was eventually named the state teacher of the year, the whole world kind of changed. I realized that I had a a lot louder voice than maybe I knew before. And um, the experiences I've had this year have been second to none. Awesome. I love how you said you saw the pictures on the wall and you wanted to be like that. You wanted to teach there. That's a beautiful thing to kind of hold on to. So I hear that you just got back from this event called the National Teacher of the Year Orientation. What is that about? Yeah, so as state teachers of the year, every um, state teacher of the year from around the 50 states and the different territories and districts in the United States, we're part of a cohort. So all of us get together a few times a year where we get a chance to talk about what we do, our different platforms and policy ideas, but really like why we do what we do and how we want to see the education field continue to get better. So we were in California for about a week. We went to Google headquarters for a day. Um, We we learned how to tell our story and um, be more impactful. But the best part of that experience was getting to meet all the other state teachers of the year from around the country. Um, We're not all music teachers. There are three of us that are music teachers and the rest of us teach different content areas. But the, you know, the aligning piece was we care about kids and we're excited about making sure that the future is better than the past. Oh my gosh, there's more teachers of the year at the state level that are music people. I need to figure out who they are. Can you give them a shout out real quick? Yeah, so we've got uh, Jimmy. He's from Colorado. He teaches middle school band. Um, really cool guy. He started off in Tennessee, but made his way all the way out there because his wife is also an educator and they kind of went through that. Yeah. And then we've got um, Alyssa from South Dakota, who teaches uh, middle and high school music and band. So really excited to see. Um, I'm not alone. There are more of us out there than you'd think, which is yeah. really exciting. <laughs> that is exciting. And shout out to the West. Get it. The West out there. We see you, Colorado and South yeah. Dakota. So congratulations. To, um, to the music voices in the room at the national level 
for teachers of the year. Cause that's a huge thing, right. To, to be in that space. And you're like, Hey, look, I I'm not alone. Yeah. It's super exciting. It makes me feel less alone, but the cool, coolest thing besides the three of us being representatives in that way is, you know, we went through and people found out that I was a music educator and they would tell me stories of, Oh, when I was in high school band or I was in high school chorus, right. I did fire all the way through college. Aww. There are a lot of people out there that are really great at what they do that were music students when they were in school. And I don't think that's a coincidence. I think there's something to that that might be worth getting into. <laughs> Definitely agreed. That is not a coincidence about the correlation in between doing great things in music and great things in life. Yes, agreed. Let, let's go back to, you know, deciding to transition into college and become a music educator. What made you want to be a music teacher? Well, I'll try to give you the most abbreviated story possible. Um, when I was in fifth grade, the music middle school music teachers come down and they um, they do the instrument testing day. I very vividly remember um, the middle school band director brought in a couple of different music reps and they had people trying out instruments. And I remember trying a trumpet mouthpiece and not being able to make a sound. And I tried it two or three times and couldn't make a sound. And the guy told me, maybe band's not for you. Which no. really wasn't a great thing to say to a fifth grade excited kid. Um, but you know what? I was spiteful and I decided to go for it anyway. Joined middle school band and had the greatest middle school band director in the world. Sheila Smith is the person that inspired me to love music and the process of learning and getting better every day. And then I get to high school and I have a band director named Eric Willoughby. And my dream job was to be Eric Willoughby's assistant high school band director at Woodland oh. High School. Um, so I went to college at the same place that he went to college. I was drum major of the Redco band at UGA, go dogs, just mm -hmm. like he was. Uh, and, I, and eventually the job opened up at Woodland High School for the assistant band director position. I applied, I got an interview, I got the job, and then um, here we are. So I, I just was really inspired to have great teachers that believed in me. I had a hiccup at the beginning, but I had great teachers that made that deficiency I had in music um, become a gift that I have in music. And I was, you know, I just thought maybe I should share this with the world. And here we are. Yeah. I love how you mentioned their names. I love how you call out, uh, I didn't get their last name. So excuse me if I'm calling you out um, by your first name, but you said Sheila and Eric. And I think it's, it speaks to the relationship that you had with them to be able to remember their names and still call them out and, and to give them their credit where credit is due to yeah. the to the journey that you've had right um we can all name those teachers but i think it's important for us to share those names as we walk this journey of being educators that's beautiful you talked about the people that have impacted your life in in this music education space and now you're you're like rubbing elbows with super famous people around the nation this is so cool what are some takeaways that you've learned about using your voice to be an advocate for music education I, i've been very fortunate this year to have the opportunity to like you said, rub elbows with a lot of people um, that, you know, make some decisions and are um, quote unquote important folks. But it's been a it's been a journey of learning how to convey the things that I'm passionate about and know are important with people that might not know as much about the certain nuances that I do. So mm -hmm. I've found that, you know, I said this a little bit before about the other teachers of the year, but I found that a lot of people that are, you know, making decisions have some sort of arts background. A lot of them, um, you know, they were in band or orchestra or chorus or, and they, they took music and they, they enjoy it. Um, so finding out, 
are there those strains that you can talk about and relate to is really important uh, when it talk when it comes to advocating for what we do. And when you find those people that aren't, you know, musically trained, I've had a couple people talk about, you know, I was in sixth grade band for three days and got kicked out because I couldn't make a sound on the clarinet. You know, we hear those stories too. <laughs> yes, um, but yeah. I would say that every single person that I've talked to loves music and loves the arts. So finding a way to bridge and connect to things that we're passionate about, though it took different paths to get there. That's been the biggest part of advocation that I found to be what causes success. We're all, we all want the same thing. We might not all call it the same thing, but we all want the same thing. And finding those, you know, like branches is how we grow together. Exactly. Finding those like branches. I've also found that if you say recorder, two things will either will happen. They'll say, Oh, I remember the recorder. Um, <laughs> or they'll go, Oh my gosh, my kid is learning the recorder right now. You know? So I, I definitely agree. <laughs> the recorder might be the most polarizing thing in the music world at this time. <laughs> yes, it is definitely one of those things that, that, uh, draws in a, a definite either for or against, uh, the recorder and, and no hate on the recorder. I, I actually own, don't come for me, but I actually own an alto recorder. I own a tenor recorder and a soprano recorder. I don't have a bass yet. Um, but anyways, um, <laughs> that's awesome. I want to hear you do some, um, acapella montages. I want to hear that. You know, I, I may have actually been in a little bit of a recorder quintet once. So anyways, um, but yes, <laughs> finding those light areas and where we have those common, what did you call it? Brit, the branches? Yeah. The like branches just so we like can grow together. Uh, I think it's been really helpful in my conversations with people. And, um, you know, I've had these conversations, uh, for example, I'm on the state board of education for the state of Georgia as the teacher of the year. And yeah. we had our retreat where we had, you know, senators and members of the house, members of the general assembly and um, different people that make political decisions and policy decisions and allocation decisions. And I talked about art and the arts and arts advocation and why music's important. And by the end of that meeting, I was being asked to come and speak at different rotary clubs. And uh, the superintendent for the state of Georgia has fine arts as a legislative priority this year to the yeah. point where there's policy going on the floor to make sure that every single student has access to fine arts education. I mean, these things are happening because I was able to find those like fibers and marry them all together. So I think, I mean, that's, I think there's proof in the pudding on, yeah. on how it can work and how it does work and how everyone does care about it. They just don't know how. Right, right. And I guess the, the question, another question out of that is, you know, what was it like to, to be in those rooms and where, you know, there's always been a positional difference and you're the music teacher who was in the classroom every day and now you're sitting with people who are making decisions. So what is that like well, I'll be fully honest. At first, it's very um, nerve wracking. Uh, <laughs> the imposter syndrome that you feel um, mm -hmm. is real. It, it's real. And there's no way to hide that or I have no interest in lying about it. it you feel that. Um, but when you start to tell your story and you start to advocate for what you know is important, you can do it in a way that is passion driven, um, fact driven and resonating with the people around you that um, that fear becomes a fuel to, to, you know, impact that change. So I, I walked into the room with a little bit of nerves, but confidence in my beliefs, 
but I left the room feeling, you know, on cloud nine because people want to learn, people want to listen. Every single person is a person, yeah. <laughs> whether you're the most powerful person on earth or you're um, you're making your way through life, doing the best you can, whatever it is, we all want to learn and get better. And we're all just people. So yeah. I, I walked away feeling better than I walked in. And that's the I, goal. Yeah. I like how you said that fear becomes fuel. Um, I think a, a lot of us who are, who are not in the everyday advocacy space, that fear is the biggest hurdle to get over is how do I, as someone who's in the classroom, who doesn't feel like we have positional power, but our story and our voice is power. I, the fear is our fuel. Ooh, I like it. It can be. It can be. When you <laughs> can, directly, yeah. I think some of the fear also comes with um, not knowing how to take that first step in advocacy. Yes. Like I know for me, I hate writing emails, not because I don't know what to say, but because I don't know what to put in the subject line all the time. Like <laughs> that one, that initial thing is sometimes the hardest part to figure out how to do. But when it comes to talking to your senators or representatives or whoever it is, um, if they're, if you're their constituent, they are interested in hearing from you and they are going to be willing to learn if you're able to share a message that's, you know, not confrontational, um, not rude or, or nervous, even not insecure. You just got to say the truth and be passionate and tell a good story that makes people believe the truth that you're sharing. So I think that first step is also kind of fearful, but like, as, like we both agree, I think it can become the fuel that gets you where you need to go. Yeah. And I will say as somebody who works in advocacy every day, the legislators want to hear from their constituents. They want to hear from the people. I can, you know, create a meeting space for it to happen, but the real work is in the voices of the teachers and the students and the people in the community that are being impacted. Uh, so I'm glad you brought that up about, you know, legislators want to hear from, from the people in their districts. And that's a true statement. Uh, no matter what year we're in <laughs> or yeah. what position we're in, they want to hear from the people. Um, so you started, was it July 1 of 2022? Yes. Georgia Teacher of the Year. When does that end? So my term will officially end on June 30th. So on <laughs> July 1st, life goes back to normal, if that's what you want to call it. <laughs> no, it won't go back to normal. You'll just be doing it differently, right? <laughs> yeah, this has been a, a life-changing experience in a lot of ways, partially because of what I've been experiencing, but also because my, my, I feel like my eyes have been opened a lot more. Mm. So I don't think I'll be able to, to go back into what I was before. I'm a whole new person after this. I've learned so much. So I'm excited to see what um, Michael Cabido is like on July 1st, 2023. Hey, I'll, I'll send you um, a little check-in email and say, hey, how's it, how's it going? <laughs> Please do, um, I look forward to it. <laughs> so, okay, so you, you're kind of excited and curious about, you know, who you'll be after this term is over. What do you think that might include? What, what's going to change? What's going to be a little bit different than what, than, you know, January of 2022? I think I've developed, I've developed some more confidence in my voice and where it can carry. So I, I don't imagine that once July 1st, I'm gonna go back. I think that I plan to continue to advocate and um, share the, the story of all the music teachers. And really, to be honest, all of the teachers in the state and in our country, I, I think that um, we all deserve to have our voices heard and we need people that are willing to advocate for us as educators and for our, um, our art form and music. So I plan to, um, continue to grow and evolve and continue to, to speak out and try to make sure that our students are getting the education they deserve, 
which includes the arts and includes music and make sure that our teachers get the, um, the support that they deserve to create these experiences for kids. Cause that's why we're here. Yeah, exactly. Um, I 100% agree that, you know, the part of the work that we do as educators is we get to see our students and their needs on a regular basis. Yes. And so because as my friend calls them, our clientele, which is our students, because our clientele is constantly changing as, as a society, we're constantly changing and growing, those needs change. So the needs from five years ago definitely are different now. I mean, pandemic included, right? But um, I do think that teachers are in the unique space because we see those needs on a, you know, over a span of time of how they change. And we are the ones who get to, you know, share the needs of, of our students and the communities. I want to go back a little bit to, you said, you developed confidence in this journey. What do you think has attributed to that confidence? Part of it was um, the recognition part, like being recognized as a teacher of the year at my school made me feel that the work that I'm putting in is valued beyond the four walls of my classroom. Mm. So I think that recognition piece allowed me to feel a little bit more confident as I went through the process, but then becoming the state teacher of the year was kind of like a back shift down to gear two. What am I doing? Um, but I think that um, continuing to be to feel seen and feel recognized as an educator, um, continuing to have the things that I talk about passionately be things that are resonating with people, like getting messages saying, oh, I heard you say this at this, or you talked about this and I just loved that. That kind of um, reassurance helped me continue to realize, okay, what I'm saying isn't, um, isn't just pertaining to Michael or isn't just pertaining to Woodland High School or Bartow County or Carter. It, 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 applies all over the place. And I think that what you just talked about with, you know, the kids changing, uh, I, I think my ability and teachers that are in the classroom right now, their ability to see how kids are changing and how the world is changing yeah. and how sometimes the needs that we had when we were students is not the needs that the kids have. Um, my ability to see both sides of that spectrum has also made me feel like I've got um, some good footing. Because the thing is, a lot of these legislators and policymakers and community members want these kids to be successful. We all yes. want that. There's no one out there that I can know of that does not want that. But I think sometimes we think about when I was in school, I had this and I loved it. Or when mm -hmm. I was in school, I didn't have this and I needed it. But kids are objectively different. Their <laughs> world is different and their future is going to be different than our present. So yeah. uh, my, I think my ability to speak on that with where I am in my age group, where I am in my career, what I do every single day um, has helped me also feel a little bit more confident in my ability to advocate. Yeah, and I like how you said the reassurance and validation. You were talking about earlier too, that, that this feeling of being alone in what we're doing and having that validation and reassurance, like that's what gives you the confidence. So finding a group in a space that says, hey, you know what? You're not alone in thinking about that this way let's join together and let's learn from each other. It, it pushes your, your teacher voice, your advocate voice, even further to develop that confidence to go past that hurdle of fear and using it as fuel. Yeah.
Yeah. Sure. Uh, like I think that we spend, you know, historically we spend so much time in silos as educators yep. or people in the education field. Like um, on my campus, the music building, the PAC where my band rehearses and, mm-hmm. and learns is a completely separate building from the rest of the school. So I feel like a legitimate silo, but I've been trying to change my thinking from instead of being silos, uh, I want it to be more like bubbles. In a bubble, you can Ooh. be protected and do your thing, but you can see out of it and bubbles can merge and bloom and go back. I think that's a much better analogy to what the future of education needs to look like instead of the past. Oh my gosh, I wish people could see my eyeballs because I <laughs> they were huge. That's great. Bubbles. Oh my gosh, I love that analogy. Yes, yeah, see out of it and, and still be able to interact sometimes. You, you know, that bubble doesn't have to be first because you're interacting with others yes and plus i love blowing bubbles it's a great breathing technique they're very um, colorful I they're love colorful it. they're fun yes i think <laughs> okay we've got a subscriber to bubbles not silos yes bubbles Check. not silos and we're fluid we we can navigate around things okay I, i'm gonna stick with that um <laughs> i like bubbles um so this has been a fantastic conversation i i really enjoy our time together and we've met before previously, uh, and you know that I work as a staffer for NAFME, and I always ask my guests, is there any questions for me as somebody who does advocacy every day? Yeah, I would be curious. Um, you've been doing advocacy far longer than I've thought about doing advocacy. <laughs> so I'd be curious to learn, one, what are the things that I need to be doing as Michael Cabido or that we need to be doing as music educators to continue the great work that happens from NAFNI? And also, um, what do you think the future of music education looks like and needs to look like? Ooh, those yeah, are heavy, isn't great it? questions. <laughs> okay, so... Okay. Um, your first question was, you know, what should you be doing to further the work? And the truth is, is I think a lot of teachers are doing advocacy. They just don't call it that. Right. Mm -hmm. The conversations you've been having is advocacy, but you would just call them conversations about the needs of your students and fellow educators. right? Right. So I think the one thing I would hope teachers do and hope to get from this conversation and other conversation is, to sit down and write, you know, what, what is advocacy? What are you already doing in advocacy? Are you having conversations with your admin parents, your students? Um, are you figuring out where public funds, whether it's state, whether it's local, whether it's federal, how is that supporting your students' education within music? Because they deserve to have federal funds and state funds and local funds used to support their education just like their other classes, right? Uh, that's a huge thing. Like, yes, there are some things that is just kind of expected to be paid for um, outside of the classroom, but there are some things that we should be asking our leadership and, and whether it's the school board, your principal, where's that money coming from to help this education? Because it's not just an activity, it's education. Right. It's education, like standards-based sequential learning it's education and where's where's that money come from? Um, and just because it's not being used now doesn't mean that it can't be used in the future. So advocate for that money. Um, <laughs> yes, yes. Um, yeah, and doing that, doing those two things along, like acknowledging where you were actually being successful in your advocacy, your conversations, 
promotion of what you're doing in your classroom and that it is education. It's not just an activity. Students are learning and they're growing. And then, you know, figuring out how, how, are, how is that learning being supported? Because it deserves to be supported. So I encourage all teachers to do that. That's great. Um, where do I think music education is going or where I hope that it's going? Mm-hmm. Um, ooh, we could spend all day. Um, <laughs> Let's do it then. Let's go. I got time. <laughs> I could spend all day. Here's the thing. Um, I am, uh, I taught elementary, hence the recorder uh, <laughs> ensemble. Can you tell? Um, and I'm a clarinetist, so there's that. But this is a tricky question. My hope and dream is that music education becomes broad in the sense that the needs of the students are being met. What does that look like? I think that depends on where you're at. I think that depends on the needs of the community. I have seen communities explode in a great way because they introduced a marimba ensemble in middle school and high school. I've seen communities blossom into these amazing entities because they added an additional music teacher because they needed another music teacher. Didn't matter the content, they just needed another music teacher. I've seen students in, you know, know, under-resourced areas get access to music education learning and not just the regular access to music education learning, but, you know, advanced access. We talk about, you know, advanced classes for math and, and science and reading literature. We, we don't talk about, you know, advanced access for, you know, private lessons, right? right? For those students who are really gifted and can they get the private instruction that they need? Because that's what, you know, that's the next step of their educational journey. I guess what I'm trying to say is whether it's elementary, all the way up through collegiate, or even if anybody has ever heard of this group called New Horizons. Have you ever heard of New Horizons? Yeah, my father-in-law plays in New Horizons here in Cobb County. Yes! <laughs> Man, for those of you listening, so New Horizons, I think it's the, is it 50 years and older? Or is it 60? I think it's 50 years and older. So I think he's in his mid-50s, so I don't want to okay. insult him, but. <laughs> <laughs> we won't. No disrespect. We were just trying to, you know, put out a range, but New Horizons bands where 50 years and older, whether they played an instrument or not, they're participating in music education, right? They, they go to these rehearsals, they learn, and then they perform. And that's what I'm hoping music education becomes, this literal lifelong from the beginning to the very end of this time on earth, where everybody gets a chance to participate. Yes. Um, that's, I mean, and that's, my, and that's my favorite part. I love how you talk about advocating being something that is different based on where you are. It might look different. Like a mariachi yeah. ensemble might be the perfect thing for your yes. community or whatever it is. I think that's huge. I think making sure there's access for every single kid to get a music education. And yep. the thing that I loved you talking about was not emphasizing just the activity, but the fact that it is an art form that you can yeah. do forever. Forever. I think that's huge. And the thing that I find, sorry to get on a soapbox here, but I nope, find that sometimes we advocate for music education because it helps with 
test scores or because mm-hmm. it helps with this or you're going to get into mm-hmm. law school or med school. And those things are important. Yes. And I don't think we should forget, but I think music is important, period, next sentence. I think yeah. you have to advocate because it's something you can do from kindergarten, from pre-kindergarten all the way until you're... I mean, I play in a group called Terra Winds, which is a community band here in Metro Atlanta. Really, really fantastic ensemble. There are people now that are 85 years old that are making music and they sound good. Why why would we discourage that every kid deserves to have a music education? Yes. (laughs) I'm glad we're on the same team with this. This Amen. Yes. Amen. And that's, I mean, can I pinpoint what that looks like? No, but I do know that when everybody is a part of the music making process, wherever, however they are, then that's, that's what I want to see. Right. Um, and, and having those experiences is kind of what shapes why I do the work that I do in advocacy is, is knowing that it doesn't end once you graduate your music interaction, your music creation, your music education does not end because you leave a school. We want it to, to be nurtured and, Mm -hmm. and have the sequential learning that access throughout 12th grade. And even in college, you don't have to major in music, but we want you to be able to experience it and to participate in it um, throughout your, the rest of your life. So that's my goal for music education is no matter where you jump into the stream, there's something, there's something for you. Yes. Well, thank you for your advocation. That's huge. I think everyone in our country and our world will benefit from the work that NAFME does because it gives people a chance to keep making music. Yes. Keep making music, people. Um, <laughs> that's that's the tagline, right? Um, and that, man, with that, the way that we're going to end the show is keep making music because that's what I always say. Um, to our listeners, if you have anything to share with this awesome Georgia teacher of the year named Michael Vito and who is a band director and also AP Music Theory teacher at Woodland High School in Cartersville, Georgia. Send us a note. Let us know how awesome he is. And thanks for listening to our episode. And as Michael says, keep making music, people. And let's see where we go. Keep making music. Keep making music. Thanks, Michael. Bye.